just keep being you. Welcome to the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Horlbogen. I'm on a mission to foster civility, respect, and integrity with a dash of sartorial elegance in the boardroom and beyond. And I invite you to join me on my quest. Never have to be like anybody else cause you're my favorite person when you're being yourself. A true original right from the start, straight from the heart, a great work of art, you stand apart. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. So I'm in the middle of answering um, some questions that were that came out of a survey I did back in the spring. Um, I conducted a research study on how prepared or not high school and college students felt to enter the workplace and particularly to handle a potentially toxic workplace or a workplace bully. And the uh, data that came back uh, revealed that uh, combined, 73% said they did not feel ready, that th those issues were not adequately addressed in school. So in answer to the question, one of the questions in my survey, I've been uh, devoting this section of my podcast, Superman Isn't Coming, Save Yourself, to um, question number five from the study, which was, if you have experienced workplace bullying or have had to navigate a toxic workplace, what tools do you wish you had to better handle it? So today... I'm going to discuss what was the third highest response, which was 60.7% of those that responded said they wish they had specific examples of workplace bullying to help me identify them. So today, I'm actually um, replaying the recording of um, an MBA leadership class that I was invited to teach last summer at Mount St. Mary's University. I was invited by Professor Greg Hof to uh, speak to his class. I took over the Zoom room for the night and uh, spoke to them for an hour on the topic of um, managing, you know, managing bullying and accountability in the workplace as leadership in organizations. So I thought that that, that um, recording would be a great answer to this part of the study that I did that people were, you know, were looking in for, for information on. So it is pre-recorded. It's from last summer. And um, it's, uh, I talked for about 45 minutes. And then there's, I have Q&A with some of the students that were amazing and asked me some great questions as well as the professor. He had a great question as well. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, and I'll see you on the other side of the episode. Okay. I'm very excited um, to talk about two of my favorite business topics. One I didn't ever want to be a favorite topic, that's workplace bullying, um, but the other is leadership. And um, as a group of future leaders, um, I'm, I'm honored that I'm able to be here and, and talk to you about some real life experiences I had and to, um, to share information about um, what's, what's sort of becoming a whole new style of leadership um, it was sort of happening already, but the pandemic launched it. And that's more of coming from a place of emotional intelligence and um, a place of humility as a leader rather than the autocratic, I'm the boss and I said so type of thing. So we're going to talk about all those transitions um, that are happening in the workplace. And um, Professor Hof gave me a bunch of questions. So I'm going to uh, screen share for you and feel free to take a screenshot if you want because um, some of them there's quite like I, I list types of workplace bullying and there's like a million of them. I, I'm not going to read them all off. Feel free to just 
do a screenshot. And if you want, I can always send the, the slides um, after in an email. So let's just jump right in. I'm going to share my screen. Just bear with me here. I've got 8 million screens. So according to the Workplace Bullying Institute, the definition, the, I'm going to start with the definition. I know that's the worst way to start something, but we need to hear it. Um, the definition of workplace bullying is repeated harmful mistreatment of an employee by one or more employees. Abusive conduct that takes the form of verbal abuse, physical and nonverbal behaviors that are threatening, intimidating, or humiliating, work interference or sabotage, or some combination of the above. So that's a mouthful, and that's, that's a scary mouthful, right? But what does it look like in a real job setting? Well, to answer that, I put together a little video edit that some of you may have seen the film it's from. Um, it's just a great Hollywood's version of the workplace bully. So. style or sense of fashion. I think that depends on what you're... No, no. That wasn't a question. There's some reason that my coffee isn't here. Has she died or something? I don't understand why it's so difficult to confirm the point. I know, I'm so sorry, Miranda. I actually did the confirm last night. your incompetence do not interest me. Hey. Here are my eggs here. Where are my eggs? In the lingerie shoot on my car. Or on Madison. Get us a reservation for dinner. Do you know it's delivered today? Where is everyone? Why is no one? If you don't have that Harry Potter book by then, don't even bother coming back. Take a chance. Hire the smart fat girl. I had hope. God. I really didn't think I could think of, uh... That's all. Don't go. I'll assume you're not serious about your future. That runway or any other publication. Trying to get you a flight, but no one is flying out because of the weather. Please. It's just, I don't know, drizzling. Someone must be getting out. Call Donatella. Get her jet. Morals for spring. Groundbreaking. Second assistant is supposed to do this, but Miranda is very private and she does not like strangers in her house. So until she decides that you're not a total psycho, I get the lovely task of waiting around for the book. Oh, don't be ridiculous, Andrea. Everybody wants this. Everybody wants to be us. As many of you probably know, uh, this film is called The Devil Wears Prada, and it's, I chose it because it's one of Hollywood's best portrayals of a fictional workplace bully, a well-dressed one, too. Her name, her name is Miranda Priestly in the movie, and she's the editor of the fictional Runway magazine. And it's actually based on the same novel that was written by Lauren Weisberger. Now, her antics might seem over the top, um, you know, for because of Hollywood, but actually that story was based on the author's real life experience working for Anna Wintour, the editor of Vogue magazine. Um, so the word in the street is it was based on real, real things that happened in the workplace. So even though Hollywood probably took some liberties to make it make it funny and dramatic, the fact is that kind of stuff happens, you know, in the workplace. So what did we see in that rather interesting 
let's just do a quick recap. We saw insulting in front of colleagues and in private. We saw her being demanding, disrespecting, sabotaging, dismissing, humiliating, threatening, minimizing, that was actually a hurricane, if you've seen the movie, demeaning, and wait, who's the psycho? We, my daughter and I laugh at the scene all the time. And then the self-aggrandizement that is very often um, part of workplace bullies MO. So in addition to these, uh, in addition to these facets that are seen in workplace um, bullying, there are also, here's a, here's a whole screenshot of additional things that happen, that are considered workplace bullying in the workplace. And it talks about denying access to information, resources, or consultation, purposely excluding, isolating, or marginalizing a person from normal work activities, resources, and meetings. So I, I highlighted that because I actually had that exact experience. I'm gonna sort of give you a recap of it. I was working at a nonprofit. I was the, um, director of development and fundraising. But I also, as is often the case in nonprofits, I wore a lot of hats. I did social media marketing. I maintained the websites. I did all their PR. Um, I was community outreach person. So I, I had a lot of different hats that I wore, but my, my main job was the development. So one day my boss, the executive director came to my desk and in her classic fashion, dropped this huge folder on my desk. And she said, I had the brilliant idea of installing an internal television channel for the organization and it's going to be your job to create the content for it and she started to walk away so I said wait what I said I don't know anything about creating television content and she looked at me and said you'll figure it out and walked away now I wasn't shocked because that was a very normal way for her to handle things but what made this time different is just a few months earlier I had been out of work for almost a month, I got so run down and very sick and with an undiagnosed illness. And I returned to work, but my husband and I had already talked about that maybe I wouldn't be able to keep working full time. I just was very unwell. So I, my heart rate started going up. You know, I looked to my left, this coworker who was passive aggressive just sort of like ignored me and kept typing. And then over here was my favorite coworker. She was a scream. And she said, she, she was just like, you know, no one's saying anything out loud, but we're all like um, gesturing to each other. So I did what I normally did almost constantly there. I sought out, I went to look for information. So I hunted down the IT guy. I knew he would have some knowledge. And I said, what's going on? We have, a, he says, oh yeah, we've had tons of meetings. The, the software company has been here a few times. The cable company has been here. They were here all day yesterday. We had this big meeting. Why weren't you there? So there's just a, a perfect example of what is in red on that screen, denying access to information, resources, purposely excluding, and, and I'm not being like, woe is me that she intentionally did it because this was her MO with me. She, would, she was just waiting to give me stuff to do to fail. But that was a kind of a bad tactic because I looked at that as a challenge and I'd figure it out. But um, ultimately I ended up resigning because that added workload on top of everything I was doing and what I was getting paid. It was just not, not working out. So there was a loss of talent and trained uh, personnel because of this sort of workplace bullying. 
and we'll go, go on later to talk about the cost of replacing staff when people are bullied. So let's move on to the next screen. The second question is how prevalent is workplace bullying and how do good leaders handle this issue? So here's some stats for you. According to the Workplace Bullying Institute, which is a US database, um, their most recent data, 19% of adult Americans are bullied at work. 60.3 million US workers are affected by bullying. 65% of people bullied at work are women. 70% of perpetrators at work are men. Okay, so that's the, um, those are the stats, which are kind of, you know, trying to wrap your brain around what that means. According to a 2019 survey by monster.com of almost a little over 2000 employees, over 51% of respondents reported being bullied by their boss or manager. We're gonna come back to that later as well. 23.3 reported being bullied by aggressive emails, 20.2% by negative gossip of coworkers, and 17.8% by yelling by others. So it's not just your, your coworker loses it for a minute and kind of raises their voice. This is like repeated aggressive um, yelling, outright, you know, screaming, I guess, if you've ever, ever experienced it. I've experienced the screaming. So, um, workplace bullying affects productivity and morale, obviously, of staff. But besides physical problems, um, like headaches, body aches, chronic neck pain is reported, there are also um, mental health issues and emotional issues that can result. Anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, financial problems because of absenteeism, uh, phobias, paranoia, digestive problems, sleep deprivation, lack of confidence, eroded self-esteem, and even suicidal tendencies or ideation. All of those things have been documented as a result of workplace, workplace bullying. So it is an epidemic. It is affecting the health of people, and not just in America, unfortunately, but all over the world. But there's also negative effects for the employer, too. Um, oh, my screen just jumped. I'm sorry. Um, you get a low commitment to work from staff. There's an obvious lack of uh, job satisfaction among the employees. Um, the, the culture becomes toxic, and we've heard a lot of that in the news. We, we've seen that those examples over and over again in the news where toxic cultures get called out, right? The away luggage scandal. All these things, our employees have had it, and they're speaking out. There's a high rate of absenteeism and presenteeism. So you're, you've got staff there, but they're literally there in body only. They're in their chair. That's it. They're barely being productive. Uh, increased employee turnover. And this is the part I really want to break down because as future leaders, the, the financial aspect of being a leader is going to fall on, on you, right? Turnover costs organizations millions of dollars annually. Some studies predict that every time a business replaces a salaried employee, it costs six to nine months of that person's salary on average to replace them. So if you've got a, a say a, 
first level manager making 60,000 a year, it's going to cost that organization between 30 and 45,000 to replace them between recruiting and training expenses. If the organization puts priority on training, which many times when they're toxic, they don't, but either way, it costs money to lose staff, whether they're, they leave on their own, they're fired. Um, your competition takes them. Every time that turnover happens, it costs money. And I said predict here because the, the actual real cost of calculating that turnover is very difficult to track. Most companies don't have systems in place that track exit costs. Um, it's not a priority, number one. Um, and it's, it involves multiple departments working together and um, recruiting, interviewing, hiring, orientation, training. All of those things are tied into counting the cost because while they may not be financial out and out, it does still impact the company financially. For example, lost talent, right? That's a loss for the company that can play out in the numbers. So because there's so many or um, so few organizations are outfitted with this kind of tracking mechanism, it's really hard to, to actually quantify how much it costs. And oftentimes, because those, not, those losses aren't quantified, that lack allows a workplace bully to stay, to keep their job. Because no one's tracing back the, you know, the revolving door to this person that's a horrible manager and is bullying their staff. So it's really a critical area for leaders to pay attention to. High turnover is your number one um, untraced cost. I don't know if that's the word, untraced, undocumented cost. And it's also a very good sign you have a toxic culture. And if you're the leader, that's on you to, to figure that out and to get to the root of it. So, and the, oh, this, the other effect of this can be that a disgruntled employee or a fired employee or an employee that um, was terminated because of a toxic workplace, often picks up the phone and calls an employment lawyer. And that always leads to financial loss for the company. So those are all things to think about um, with that revolving door and how much you're, you're losing there. There's also the effect, uh, negative effect of um, PR crisis and reputational damage. Again, the past few years, we've seen Boeing in the, in the news, um, the Astros, like all the sports teams, airlines, all these um, huge entities in the news and their PR, their, their reputations have just plummeted because of what's gone on in the organizations. And then there's things like Glassdoor, Indeed, and Yelp, where employees and customers, right, can leave a review. They can say exactly what they think about their experience with you. And there's nothing you can do as the, as the employer or the leader. It's out there, like we all know, once it's out on social media, it's there forever. So those are all things like boards of directors, um, C-suite, everyone in the C-suite, so that, that uh, presence of thought has to be there. That's gotta be top of mind to be concerned about and to be proactive in, in not ha having it not happen. Okay, the second part of that question uh, how do good leaders handle this issue? So I would say in a word, and if you follow me on LinkedIn, it's one of my favorite words, accountability. Um, regardless of title or tenure in the organization, everyone is accountable for workplace culture and everyone is accountable in how they treat each other. 
So as I mentioned earlier, for decades, that autocratic form of leadership, you know, from the top down, I'm the boss, and there's that huge, huge separation between, you know, the, the C-suite and your entry-level employee, the chance of talking to the CEO was like unheard of. That, when that window has shrunk because again, employees are speaking out more and we just live in a different world now, right? The, the past year, the pandemic, the stresses, parents homeschooling, remote learning, um, you know, you got two adults running offices within three feet of each other trying to schedule meetings. It's just, it's been a nightmare for people. So uh, leaders have to be engaged in that, understand it, and hold themselves accountable for how they respond to it. And that's all about, um, you probably heard the term about leading with emotional intelligence. It's like if you come from a place of empathy and understanding and wanting to help people, then it's just a much better vibe, you know, rather than, as we said, the old style of uh, autocratic leadership. So good leaders are concerned about very concerned about culture, uh, very concerned about creating psychologically and physically safe work environments for their staff. Um, that would include then having a channel um, uh, to report something where the employee was felt safe to do so. Like say I'm, what, for in, my, in my experience, I had an issue, I reported it, the way through the proper channel and I was fired two days later because the channel I thought was safe was not. So that is up to the employer to make sure that uh, an employee that is either being harassed at work, you know, in a distressing situation, maybe with a coworker or a superior manager, that they have a safe way to get help and to report that. And then it's on the leader or leaders to follow through. And, and address that and validate that. Um, it, it, this is one of the hugest, the biggest gaps in corporate America is having that set up and it's actually getting better. There are lots of apps now that and software that companies can purchase um, that they can make available to their employees where they can anonymously maybe report something they see or hear or that they've experienced and they have that anonymity so they don't have to fear retaliation or reprisal for, for speaking up. Um, so the, like I said, good leaders focus on healthy culture. They invest in training for management. Another huge gap sometimes, not everyone's not a natural leader, right? Everyone's not a natural manager. I mean, we, we maybe come from a home where it was just like, I said, do it, do it. And that's how we get things done. I said, do it, do it whereas someone else may not have come from that background or had that experience. So management training, teaching people how to manage people, that, that is, has to be invested into the company. Um, and then, as I said, having conflict resolution processes in place to address problems, not to minimize you know, the voice of the employee, um, to do healthy, honest investigations into complaints, things like that. These are, this is all, this is like the dark side of leadership that you're responsible for because any, whatever happens on your watch ultimately is on you. And the, this is sort of the nitty gritty side. That's not fun. It's not glamorous. You're not on the front page of the Boston Globe because you're such a great leader. You're like up at night 
on Google trying to get a coach to come in and talk to your people and, and help them in derail situations. So it's really a commitment to culture, accountability, and um, taking the lead in, in all of these things. Zero tolerance, this is a quote I, I forget where I pulled it from, zero tolerance policies can be established and printed in the company handbook, but will only be effective if they are actively promoted by senior leadership. So again, you know, it starts at the top. Okay, next question. Can you describe the characteristics and styles good leaders demonstrate and possess? So I have a word cloud here that I, um, I actually did a poll on LinkedIn. So my, my, my website and my podcast is called The Gentle, Gentlewoman Boss. And I wanted feedback from my network um, about what qualities they felt you know I've, I've my network is like all over the planet as far as the kind of people in it it's it's wonderful so I really wanted them to tell me what what do you think is the most important quality that a leader needs to emulate in their in their work so this is a combination of everything all the replies that I got and a few funny ones like well-groomed like well-dressed because I'm into fashion some of them I threw in there too but um it was just a nice you know, some great feedback from people. So imagine a leader that's ethical, committed, open-minded, right? Willing to take suggestions, thoughtful, patient, humble, has self-control, um, a person of integrity, someone that's discreet, respectful, all amazing qualities, right? That we would love to work for a person like that. So, and so in my, aside from my unfortunate story from earlier, I have had the privilege of working with leaders that are humble, they have integrity, they were very selfless. Um, I had one boss that would go to uh, Venice a few times a year, he was in the art world, and he would lead me to run his art gallery. And I remember one time, we had Anthony Quinn was one of our um, customers. And the first time he left for Venice and left me in charge, I said, what if Anthony Quinn comes? He goes, I'm just, shut, just wait on him. You, you've been doing this for four years. But I was so nervous to wait on Anthony Quinn. Thankfully, he didn't come in while he was gone. But, you know, the point is he trusted me. And then that made me want to do a really good job for him. And I think I did. I broke some glass, but that's okay. But anyway, um, so, yeah, he was a great boss to work for. Very... Uh, fair, patient, fun. It was a great experience. And also, I think leaders that take ego out of the equation. Now, Professor Hof and I were talking earlier before we started the class, and I shared with him that there's two sectors where bullying, workplace, uh, bullying is very prominent. And one is the healthcare sector, and the other is academia. And he was surprised by that. Um, but I said to him, well, think about it. And please don't be offended by this, but it's just sort of a fact. There's a lot of ego, right, in medicine and in academia. And well-earned, actually. They're brilliant people. But when that, when a, someone's personal ego, right, supersedes the needs of the organization or the company or their agenda becomes more important, that's where the issue Yes, so keeping that ego in check as a leader is huge. The Gentleman Boss podcast has been named 
Top 20 Best Month Reporting Podcasts of 2021 by Wealth Magazine, number 36 of 200 in Top Entrepreneurship Podcasts by Podchaser, and Top 20 Best Whistleblower Podcasts for 2021 by CastBox Media. For sponsorship opportunities, please visit our website at thegentlewomanboss.com. Also, not, not being afraid to apologize or maybe to say, you know, Michelle, I don't have the answer for that, but I will get back to you. It's very hard as a leader to admit you don't know something because you're afraid you're going to seem weak. But actually, that builds trust in your team that you were honest enough to say, hey, I don't know. Let's, let's make it a group effort. Everyone research and we'll, we'll come back and revisit this. So I think it's just about being real, just being, bringing the humanity back right into that job, even though it's a high calling and it's a big job, I think the more humane you are and real and approachable, the, the better leader you'll be. And we also spoke earlier uh, about servant leadership and it is a calling absolutely to be a leader, but it's not about being the boss. It's about serving, serving others. So Coming from that standpoint, I would say those qualities are super important. What suggestion would I have for students as they move forward into their careers? Okay, so we got to get real here. I'm try I try to think of a nice way to put this, but ultimately it's just saying it like it is. So you can't think because of your personality or your grade point average or the people you know in the company already or that your grandfather's on the board, right? All those things. You cannot think workplace bullying can't happen to you. You got to take those rose colored glasses off right now. And that might kind of sound harsh, but it's the truth. It's true. Um, I wish I could tell you that bullying ends you know, in junior high or, or high school or in college. But I know maybe some of you are sitting here looking at me and thinking, yeah, Michelle, it doesn't end in college because I'm dealing with it right now, right? So just as a side, if that is true for any of you, I hope you're not dealing with it alone. And if you need, a, need support, then get in touch with me. I'll do whatever I can to help you. But the point is it's, bullying is an age or time or success sensitive. It's just sort of this ever present thing that can happen to us, right? Many of us dealt with it in school. Sometimes we can, we dealt with it with an older sibling at home um, and in the workplace, there's, it's there too. So be, being forewarned and forearmed, right, can help you to anticipate it when it's coming and how to respond and deal with it. So that monster.com poll I spoke about earlier, it said bosses or managers were responsible for 51% of workplace bullying. So as you're starting in your careers, I know some of you are already maybe working, some that's in your future still, you'll probably go in at an entry-level position, right? Which means there's a 50-50 chance that your boss or manager will be a bully. I mean, that's what the data says. You can't argue with that. So sometimes they're very covert and they seem super nice and um, 
they they sort of operate behind the lines. You don't you don't see it coming, but others are really are overt. It's just so obvious you see them coming from a mile away, and then there's a bunch that fall in between, and that's like a whole a whole different lecture to talk about the types of workplace bullies. But the point is, what what steps can you take to protect yourself? Well, first of all, educate yourself about workplace bullying. Um, the last time I searched for it on Google. In less than a second, 31,700,000 results popped up. There's a ton of information out there and a many, many fantastic websites with all kinds of resources. So take the time, read up on it, um, and educate yourself. It will really help you to know what to look for when you start out in your career. Um, red flags you can look for. And you should also visit the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission website, the EEOC, because that website, which is a, a government website, has a ton of information about employee rights by state, it's listed, and um, it talks about all the information about protected classes. So if you want to you know if you fall into a protected class before you enter the workplace, because that harassment of a protected class is illegal. Workplace bullying isn't illegal in, 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 in the United States. It's very difficult to prove a case of workplace bullying and get compensation. However, if you're a protected class, it is illegal and the, um, the employer will be held accountable in a, in a court of law or financially to make compensation. And I would say the second, my second piece of advice is to find a mentor. If it can be someone in the, in the company you go into that you know you can unequivocally trust, make that, form that bond. Let them be your go-to person, right? Because they're going to, if their intentions are good, they're going to help you and guide you. Um, you can also look for mentors outside the organization. Um, professors, maybe people at church, in church, a pastor or a chaplain, um, family friends, some of your parents parents or grandparents friends even because I love the, this the quote um, don't ask directions from someone who hasn't been where you're going well the great thing about our elders is they've all been where we're going right they've they're they're probably retired now and they're living they're golfing and living living life large so get get those people into your into your circle go to them you can vent to them you can complain you don't have to worry about getting back to your boss and they can use their life experience to help you and guide you. That I have some fantastic mentors. Um, a few, one was the, um, she ran one of the libraries at Brown University. I met her later in life and she's just been an amazing mentor for me. Um, there's a lot to say, you know, reaching out to those that have been where we wanna go, right? Third, I would say when you get your job, that day you sign all your papers, they give you the company handbook. Don't throw it in your desk drawer. Don't throw it in the pile of newspapers. Read the handbook because that's going to have all of the information about how to handle if, if unfortunately, this sort of thing surfaces at work for you. Then um, a lot of times it will tell you, just go to HR. We're going to help you. But you need to know that they do help a lot of times and they do advocate for employees. However, HR is there for the employer. They work for the employer. The employer pays their paycheck just like they pay yours. So ultimately, 
they will do what's best for their boss too. So just, that's just something to be aware of. Um, and not to say don't trust them, they do a lot of good, but um, you'll, get a, you'll get the vibe in time of how things work and uh, trust your gut. I've had so many people say that to me since my experience and I should have, so I will pass that along too. So if you find yourself uh, ever experiencing the things we saw in the, in the Devil Wears Prada video or the other things we've talked about, one of the best things you can do as an employee is to document what's going on. Um, make, you know, what would the date, the time, who, who else witnessed it or possibly overheard it if it was a phone call, that kind of thing. But keep that information outside of work. Don't use your company devices for anything like that. They belong to the organization and any information you have on them is theirs as well. So that's just one caution there. Um, be careful about venting to, or confiding in coworkers. I'm, you could, you're gonna make great friends at work. Well, hopefully um, the office camaraderie when we get back to that is so fun. There's a, such a dynamic energy oftentimes in organizations. You, you don't wanna discredit that, but there is absolute, um, the data on bystanders of workplace bullying is, is kind of pathetic because people feel bad, they see it happening, they wanna say something, but they're afraid, they don't wanna be the next target and they don't wanna lose their job. So it doesn't mean they don't like you or they don't wanna support you. They're just trying to do what's best for their family. So be careful who you, who you uh, talk to about what's going on or maybe what your intentions are. You know, if things get, to a point that it's really bad, it might be good for you, for your mental and emotional health to start looking for something else. Um, and if there's actually, you know, maybe illegal things going on, you know, God forbid it gets to that point, you may want to consult an employment attorney. They can advise you um, on, on the steps to take. But ultimately, work should be you should love going to work. I mean, we, we don't want to be Andy, right? And the devil is proud of like in tears trying to explain ourselves to a boss that's evil. That's, you know, you, everyone deserves a better work experience than that. I mean, I can't believe she stayed as long as she did in that movie. So, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And the more attention that's given to it, the more educated people are about it. It can be called out and organizations can clean up their culture, root that kind of stuff out and make, make work a great, a great place for people to go. So I hope, I hope none of you ever, ever have to experience it. Um, but as someone who did, I, you know, I'm, I'm giving you the information that I wish someone had given me. So I would, I would have known better how to handle what was happening because I didn't, I didn't, I don't even know if I heard the term workplace abuse before two years ago. So um, I can't change what I went through, but I can pay it forward and I can help um, sort of take, like I said, take those rose colored glasses off for those up and coming and help them prepare. Just be prepared. You, you don't want to be negative and, and, and scared. I mean, it, but it's just good to have the information. It's also good in, down the line for you, you know, when you get into the C-suite, ladies especially, because you're going to have you're gonna have, I hope you're gonna remember something I said today, you're gonna be aware of the pulse in your organization and if, if you see any of these red flags, right? So you're gonna have that extra edge as a leader to make sure your organization is, is um, 
that maximum output in, in taking care of everyone involved. So on a positive note, aside from all that gloom and doom about bullying, um, like I said earlier, we are living at a, huge, a time of change in leadership. Um, like I said, the pandemic is forcing leaders to embrace being more self-aware, to be more empathetic. Um, you can't, if you're a leader today, you cannot ignore what your teams are going through, like we said earlier, um, and expect to be a successful leader. It's just, it's a whole different ballgame now. And I think it's a great thing. I think, like I said, bringing humanity back into leadership is, is going to be a, a game changer. So you guys are all the next generation of leaders. You are like, you're, you're next in line, you know, so and you're coming in at a great time. So you can do things now to prepare yourselves for this kind of leadership. So start learning how to identify and understand and manage your emotions now in school, you know, after finishing your MBA at home. Um, if you already are working, start practicing things. And one thing I um, encourage people to do is make two sets of flashcards. So you're gonna keep one at work and one at home. And they're gonna be emotional intelligence flashcards. I know this sounds like elementary school, but it works. So on each, on a, each card, you're gonna write self-awareness, self-regulation, motivation, empathy, and social skills. Those are the five key facets of emotional intelligence that are sort of just right now that those are the five that are, are the core of it. And so every Sunday night, pick the one you're gonna work on for that week. Put it on your refrigerator, your bathroom mirror, put the one, take the one at work on your computer, on your monitor, and focus on that quality for that week. Do research about it, look up articles, find people on LinkedIn that coach emotional intelligence, follow their content, watch videos on YouTube. There's so much information. And be consciously aware of seeing it around you. Like when you, if you see a coworker do something thoughtful or, you know, for someone that's going through something, that's, that's empathetic. Um, conduct, right? So, and also you can, you want to start practicing it. Maybe if you're, if you're living at home still, like empty the dishwasher for your mom, like do something that's, that's going to encourage that kind of behavior in yourself. So by the end of a year, right, you just, the next week you pick a new card, a new facet to focus on. So that intentional thought process after a year, think about it, you would have spent 10 weeks focusing on each of those five facets of emotional intelligence. And you, I, I, if you do it, come back to me a year from today, because I want to hear, I guarantee you, you will be more aware of seeing it, of expressing it yourself, and a, more consciously aware of your behavior and how you treat people. And that's all good. That is, that is all the kind of um, self work in like in soul work that we need to do right to be a good leader so put the mind time in put the work time in remember it's people before profit you're, you're not you can have as much profit at you as you want but if you can't keep the people the good people it's going to cost you more in the end so for my last slide as you're finishing up your mba or working toward getting your MBA, I should say, don't forget about the other MBA for leaders. Managing bullying and accountability as leadership in organizations. Don't forget that one too. All right, thank you. Very good. Um, 
So we have a few minutes. Uh, I'd like to open up to, for any questions uh, that anyone may have. And there's no silly questions, I'm sure, for Michelle. Uh, so anyway, who would like to start? David. Hi, Michelle. I'm Dave Domzowski. Uh, great talk. By the way, I like the flashcard idea. I think that could also work as a parent and a father and also as a husband. <laughs> so I'll use that for my wife. Um, but my, my question is, you know, are people, have you found, I don't know if the, we're 45 days into 2021. So have you, I don't know if the data says this yet, but are people more forthcoming with issues of workplace bullying? And then also, have you found that it's lessened or worsened during the pandemic? So the data is not in yet per se. Um, I can, I have a great uh, community on LinkedIn that I, my network is a lot of them are advocates for speaking out against workplace bullying. So a lot of what I read every day is sort of genre specific, right? Because I follow these people. Um, there is absolutely a, um, a rise in people speaking out, Abs absolutely. Um, there's things like the speak out revolution. Um, like I said, the, the anonymous reporting apps where people can you know, say something, do something. If you go on Glassdoor and indeed read the reviews, people leaving. Um, there is a there is a definitely an uptick in people speaking out. The problem is the response to it on part of the organization is still horrific. Where they're you know they just put out the back door, they're fired, they're put on uh, per performance improvement plans that are destined to fail, and then they're that sort of covers the employer legally to exit that employee. So, like I said, there's there's there is an uptick in reporting and speaking out, but there's still a lot of work to do with how the employees are protected. Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. I appreciate it. Thank you. And don't just make your wife do the flashcards. You need to do them too. Oh no, that was for me. <laughs> she would like it. I know she would. I she would appreciate it. I meant to say that actually now that you brought it up when I was chatting, talking um, that the. All of these things are things we can practice at home too. I mean, we are all stuck home together, most of us, right? And patience is running thin. So it's good to be aware on the home front too. So thanks for bringing that up, Dave. Amen to that. <laughs> good luck. Michelle, I have a question. Okay. Let's yes. say, let's say uh, I work for the VP of sales and he's a rock star in a company. He's doing all kinds of great records, walks on water, but he's a big boy. And he just keeps beating me up or beating his team up. And what do I do then? Knowing that the CEO or the general manager thinks he's, you know, walking on water and I'm getting the hell beat out of me because of him. Well, <laughs> that was I had to ask. No, no, it is a great question. And it's one I hear over and over again because the bottom line ends up winning all the time. My experience with a, a female workplace bully, she was an executive director of the president of a made huge nonprofit, not huge, important, important nonprofit. Let me put it that way. Very historical. And when she came on, they were in the red. They were bad in the red. And within a year, they were well into black. And that's all the board cared about. They just, they just 
you know, every whatever November warming, they look at that bottom line. And, and in the meantime, I personally, I approached multiple board members. I emailed them. I, I had to work one-on-one with the chairman of the board on projects. And I told him repeatedly, I, I would sort of make it funny, like, you ready for today's story? You know, trying to like bring an awareness. But it was, it was it fell on deaf ears because, you know, that the budget was being made, that they, mm-hmm. they was they were being able to reinvest in equipment and things like that with the profits, because we all know not for profits make huge profits. Let's just get that out there. So there's that that issue is still huge. That and that's why I spent so much time talking about how much does the turnover cost an organization? Because I can, I saw, I was in development. So I had, I had, I was privy to everyone's salary. Um, you know, all the numbers for the company. I got the copy of the budget every year. And those, all those losses just got fudged into that spreadsheet. So that's a huge, that's a, and I'm not a finance girl. I'm not a money brain kid, but I, that's just a huge part of it that um, has to be addressed. I guess I would say if, it, if that, uh, were happening is to still document everything. I mean, unfortunately, what happened, this is like not how I wanted this to play out, but even if the board or the people involved that would make a decision about this VP, even if they did address it, the way things are right now, they most likely would have a very lovely exit and a going away party and either move on to another job doing the same thing and torturing new people, mm-hmm. right? Or they would leave their big fat severance package or you know retirement if it's if they're at that point in their career so that i don't really have an answer for that it's not my fault it's just the way it is that's yeah it wasn't a trick question but i've I've seen it in other companies before work that way and you know i know there's not a a good answer or an easy answer but i I was just curious because uh it's they usually those guys can escape uh because they're performing and they're doing great things but uh really it's the people beneath them that you know are doing a lot of good things too but anyway other questions i have a question hi nice to meet you thank hi. you my name's alexis hello to everybody else i don't think i know you um but so if i'm a witness of workplace bullying what is my role well i would off the record like if you saw something, like you know, you get to know the pulse of your com- the company you work at and how things roll, right? So, if I'm in a company where the the you know the management or the uh, upper tier, you see them actively address problems in the workplace and in a healthy way, I would say something like, "What you know? Don't talk to her like that." Or wait, wait, she wasn't the only person on the team responsible, right? Every, no, so-and-so didn't pull their weight either, back off. I mean, that's just, that's how I roll. I mean, I, if I see something, but if you're, if you're in a toxic culture and you've seen other things go really bad when someone speaks up, I would say the best thing to do is sort of silently support that person, tell them you saw what happened, ask them if they're okay, Ask them if there's anything you can do, because sometimes what happens is a, a pod begins to build of employees that are willing to support each other and kind of rally. And if there's enough of a voice there that can be taken to HR, 
the management, you know, the board, that can sometimes affect a good response. You really have to, you know, two years ago, I would have said, tell them off, just, go, but I've learned my lesson. Like I've learned some organizations, you could, you could never go back to your desk again. They'll kick you out the back door. So I think um, having been in the situation myself, I, I didn't have one coworker call me, email me, text me, reach out to me. I mean, I literally never went back to my office, never went back to my desk, never got to say goodbye to my team. It was horrible. But they were all, they were all too scared to reach out to me. You know what I'm saying? So that, that was an extreme toxic situation. If you know there's some fairness that goes on and you see management addressing things in a healthy way, I say be the bystander that speaks up. Thank you. If you say something to HR and you ask it to be confidential, are they obligated to keep it private? They are absolutely not, no. Um, you know, I don't want to get be too negative about HR, but like I said earlier, their, you know, their concern is the reputation, well, managing the reputation of the organization and protecting the employer. So, you know, would I say reporting to HR is truly anonymous? No, I would never. I would never. Number one, if you report something, they're supposed to put it in your file. They're supposed to make a note of it. And if that file cabinet is never locked, like it wasn't where I worked, anyone who can get into that room can access your file. So, I mean, it's, it's a very, um, even if there's a verbal agreement, this is just between us. Mm -mm. I'm, I hate to say that, but you, you know, it's better to go on record, make a statement to HR, tell them you want it in your file, right? Because then you're kind of protecting yourself. Um, but to trust them, like with a, like as a confidant, it's not where you want to go. Unfortunately, it's just not. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for asking. Any other questions? Okay. What I was going to throw out, if you're okay with this, if they think of something after we adjourn, uh, shoot me the questions and I can forward them to you. And absolutely. then maybe we can go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. absolutely. If you guys can, um, so my, my website is the gentlewomanboss.com and you can find me on LinkedIn. You have my name on the screen there. Um, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. If you're not on LinkedIn, I was telling Professor Hope this earlier, you know, get yourselves on LinkedIn, get your profile up and running, start networking, find people, you know, in your field or the field you want to work in. There's, it's one of the most underutilized social media platforms. If you start building your presence there as a future leader, you're going to make connections and, and network with people that it's just incredible. And I would be happy to be your first connection. So find me on LinkedIn too. And like I said, if anyone's going through stuff, either at work or at school or at home, and you're feeling pressure from a bullying type, reach out to me. I'm happy to support you however I can. Great. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak to our class. There's a lot of good information and it tied in with, you know, all the things that we've been talking about. So I think this just supplements uh, what we've been learning about in our uh, leadership class. But Again, thanks very much, and we appreciate it, and uh, we'll put in a good word for you next time.
Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank take you. care. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Thank night. you. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Gentlewoman Boss podcast. Please remember to download my podcast so you can listen whenever and wherever you'd like. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much if you've already done so. It really does help with ratings and distribution of the show. I also invite you to email me if you'd like to share your story or if you have a question you'd like answered on an upcoming episode of the show. Just visit thegentlewomanboss.com and click on the contact tab at the top to email me. You can also follow me on social media at gentlewomanboss. And if you prefer to watch podcasts rather than just listen to the audio version, my episodes are also uploaded on my YouTube channel in video format as well. Click subscribe and when new episodes drop, they'll show up in your YouTube feed. It's super easy. So until next time, remember... Always choose to be the gentlewoman or gentleman in the room. I'll see you soon for the next episode of the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast.